2: Hello, welcome to the Cardinal Insider Podcast. I'm Brett McMillan. Two-fold show for you today. A little bit later, we're going to hear from Jeff Idelson, president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's got a conversation with Ozzie Smith from earlier this year. We thought it'd be appropriate because they just wrapped up Hall of Fame weekend up in Cooperstown. But we start a little bit closer to home. The Cardinals have been getting big contributions from minor league call-ups, especially players from Memphis. And a good example of that is John Brebbia. The pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. There's the first down in the eighth inning. Brevia wins that. John started the year down with the Memphis Redbirds, but he's been up in St. Louis since May 28th and doing really well coming out of the bullpen. But less than three years ago, it seemed like he was a long shot to make the big leagues. Drafted out of Elon University in the 30th round of the 2011 draft by the New York Yankees. And then just kind of got caught up in the numbers game that happens in affiliated baseball. Released from the Yankees minor league system after the 2013 season. The next two seasons he played in independent league baseball. Now if you're not familiar that is teams who are not farm clubs for big league systems. The minor leagues aren't always glamorous. Indie ball even more so. There's a lot of great people. There's a lot of fun times. But it also can be a very hard life as a player. Not a lot of money and just grinding every day trying to find your way back into a big league system. But after a good season for John Brebbia both at Sioux Falls with the Sioux Falls Canaries of the American Association and then with the Laredo Lemurs, he was signed by the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2015. Before he ever pitched in that system, the Cardinals scooped him up in the Rule 5 draft that year. Not a stellar 2016 split it between Memphis and Springfield, but started 2017 at AAA and earned himself a big league debut, and he's stuck here in St. Louis ever since. Been a long and unlikely road for the jovial middle reliever. I got a chance to sit down with him in the Cardinal dugout in the last week of July and talk about the road back to affiliated baseball and how he went from being cut to being in the big leagues. It's Cardinal reliever John Brebbia, and it's right now on the Cardinal Insider Podcast. start very beginning of your career 30th round pick I'm sure when you get taken it has to be exciting but realistically when you get drafted as a 30th rounder what are you thinking about timelines and just your your future in baseball
3: um, I know that I have to perform um, and I know that I have to do it as quickly as I can but being drafted in and of itself was so exciting that that wasn't really anything that hit me until probably my my first full season or my even my second full season um when things weren't going my way and i realized oh shoot this is a 30th round pick is not not a good pick to be in this kind of position
2: when you did get released by the yankees and we'll bring this back full circle but Great. W- when you get released <laughs> obviously it, it's disappointing just walk me through the emotions of when you hear what's happening just the feeling that washes over you
3: um it's it's kind of like a sinking feeling on your insides. <laughs> uh, I was not happy, obviously. Uh, it was quite some time of being you know, in a pretty poor mood, and my family and friends probably didn't love, uh, love my attitude in the following weeks or so. Uh, but it was also eye-opening, and it helped me kind of redirect myself and, and where I was going and what I was doing.
2: Did you start thinking about independent league baseball immediately at that point or did you take a little bit kind of feel out the, the affiliated ball?
3: Um, so I was able to pretty well, my agent was able to quickly line up a spot for me in, in, in independent baseball rather quickly but I didn't necessarily make the firm decision to play until probably a month or two months afterwards
2: for the f- people that will be listening on the podcast, you mm-hmm. and I know the difference between affiliated and independent, but independent mm-hmm. baseball is is not affiliated with any major league team. What are the other differences? <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> well, it's, oh gosh, what? quite a few things that, that you can point to. I'd say, you know, obviously the biggest difference is not being affiliated with a major league team. Um, And it's also a little bit less consistent in terms of the facilities and the fields that you'll play in. Um, You know, the the teams make their money based on their crowds. And they're not major league teams, so they're not drawing, you know, 40,000 people a night like Bush Stadium is. Uh, So sometimes you'll go to a place that is maybe a little less comfortable than most.
2: What kept you going those two years when when you were in Sioux Falls and then (sighs) Laredo?
3: Wanting to Play baseball at a ma- at the major league level for my entire life was definitely a driver for me. Um, and while someone was going to give me an opportunity, I wanted to keep playing. And my parents and my wife, girlfriend at the time, or fiance at the time, um, were just fantastic supporters for me.
2: When you found out you were getting signed back to be with the Diamondbacks, so you never pitched for, but you're getting signed back, what mm-hmm. did that feel like?
3: It's pretty ecstatic. That sinking feeling that I had when I got released was now not only re-elevated, but probably soaring over my head.
2: <laughs> and then Rule 5, when you, you got picked up by the Cardinals, just what was that, thinking, okay, third big league organization here?
3: Uh, a little confusing at first because I didn't know what a minor league Rule 5 was. Um, so I had someone explain it to me very thoroughly, and I talked to a lot of the front office here at the Cardinals. And... It was exciting, especially to be with an organization like this with the tradition that it has. It was a lot of fun.
2: The first year, Memphis and Springfield, good numbers, but I imagine after the experience that you'd had, there were times where you probably felt a little tense, a little nervous. What was that season like just thinking, okay, I want to make sure I I stick here?
3: It was definitely up and down, kind of a roller coaster. There were times where I wasn't playing well at all and thought, you know, I got a shot. Hey, this is great, but probably coming to an end. Um, but then there were times where I started learning a little bit more and getting a little more comfortable. Um, and that outlook changed. That thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll stick around. So at, at the end of the season, it was definitely a mixed bag of emotions, but I was fortunate enough for them to keep me around for this year.
2: Things clicked for you and in 2017, sub two uh, down in Memphis to start things off, and then you get the call here. Tell me about that moment. How did you find out? And again, I'm, I'm sure the emotions were pretty awesome.
3: That was pretty incredible, yeah. Um, I, if I could describe it adequately, I would. But the content and jubilation, I mean, doesn't do it justice. Um, I, I couldn't have been happier. <laughs> so it was I had a blast this entire year. It's been a lot of fun. And to, to kind of top off my season in Memphis with, with getting called up, it was unbelievable
2: all 25 of you guys have, have earned your spots here, but at the same time, I'm sure there are times you can pause and look around and, and know you've seen just about every level of this game. How do you maybe try to savor it in ways that guys who kind of are fast-tracked maybe don't think about savoring it?
3: It's it's actually not too difficult. You, know, you take a moment in the middle of a game and you just look out into the stands and the crowd and you see people screaming. Screaming for your team or against your team, depending on if you're at Homer on the road, and you see that this many people showed up to watch the game and, and that have this much passion and care about it, and it sinks in a little bit. You think, you know what, this is, this is really cool, this was worth it.
2: John is an easy guy to root for. I really enjoyed uh, getting the chance to just sit and hear a little bit more about his story and just getting to know him. He's a, a genuinely good guy, it seems, and also has the best beard in baseball, for what it's worth. If you haven't seen it, you need to get on Google right now. We've got a profile of John for television on Cardinals Insider the weekend of August the 12th. If you'd like to see it, You can check out cardinals.com slash insider, and of course, I'm sure that you know by this point, if you're a frequent listener, you can also see those videos on demand through the MLB at Bat app, or you can check them out online at cardinals.com slash video. Turning our attention to the second part of our episode today, just saw some new members enshrined in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. With that in mind, we thought you might like to hear Ozzie Smith, one of our resident Hall of Famers, and the first voice you're going to hear, speak with the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Jeff Idelson, who's voice number two in the conversation. These two are, are good friends. Ozzie is very involved with the Hall of Fame. I've got to meet, obviously, Ozzie uh, on many occasions this year as he works on our Cardinals Insider TV show, but I've met Jeff a couple of times, too, and they're both just gentlemen, love the game, and have stories on stories on stories. Their conversation that you're about to hear occurred on opening day, the morning of opening day before the Cardinals took on the Cubs back on April the 2nd but the conversation really focuses more on Jeff's job what he likes about it and as he says the real estate that the Cardinals take up in Cooperstown at the National Baseball Hall of Fame we're glad that the two of them would sit down and talk it's a fun conversation with Jeff Idelson the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame and it's right here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast
1: you think about the Cardinals and the Cardinals organization and their history, what stands out?
0: Well, what you, what you think about is the great tradition that this club has, which is why opening day is so special in St. Louis, or as, as I'm about to find out, but, you know, I think of a, you know, a staid National League franchise that's won 20 National League pennants, uh, 11 World Series, second most to the Yankees, but, you know, not only at the team level, but on the player level as well, uh, you know, throughout the course of history, Great players have become Hall of Famers. I think the Cardinals have won 20 MVPs. So there's just this consistent excellence that uh, is a hallmark of the of, of the Cardinals tradition.
1: That's wonderful. Are there any? Um, do you have any favorite Cardinals? I know you you're you're, you're close to the you're close to the Yankees. <laughs> but uh, you, you, the guys, you've had a chance now to to spend time around the guys, and um, do you have any favorites?
0: What's interesting is that, is that the, uh, the GMs over the course of the years drafted well because they've drafted guys of great character. And the ones that I've been fortunate to get to know over the years, you know like Red, uh, you know, and Whitey and all the guys, uh, Suter, um, Stosh. I mean all of you, all of you seem to carry this um...
1: Stosh. now tell people stosh.
0: <laughs> I like the way you say stosh. Well, it's, you know, it, there's only one stash. There's only one stash. Tell the, the people uh, who stash is stash. Stan Musial, stand the great Stan the Man Musial, with the corkscrew corks swing. Uh, yeah. But consistently great guys. Always like coming back to Cooperstown and represent the organization tremendously.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, you know, when you talk about uh, representing them in the in in the Hall of Fame, the Cardinal section of the Hall of Fame. Um, do, do you get something to go in there every year from each team?
0: Well, it depends on, really, we wait until something of magnitude happens, and uh, uh, then we make sure that the, the, the player team is represented. So, you know, the great World Series runs that we're having there, uh, 11 and 13, David Fries's jersey, for instance, comes to mind. Oh, yeah. uh, when Albert played here, he was setting all kinds of records. Uh, the Cardinals have so much real estate in Cooperstown, you know, it, uh, they rival the Yankees, and that's because of the tradition and all the winning.
1: The Hall of Fame Weekend. Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit about what goes into that, and and what part you play.
0: Well, Hall of Fame Weekend uh, is the biggest. It's it's the biggest event on our calendar, and probably one of the biggest on the baseball calendar overall. Uh, it's when the new guys uh, who have been elected uh, finally get their induction, their plaques, and you know it's about those who are being inducted, but it's also about the returning Hall of Famers, and there are fifty to sixty. They come back every year. The Cardinals are always well-represented. Uh, but for those who haven't been to Cooperstown yet, and I think most Cardinal fans have probably been there because of, your, of the, the, the deep tradition and history, it's a town of 1,800 people with one stoplight. And you know it, you're there all the time. I mean, you may be paying taxes in New York and with us so much, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful little town, but it takes the whole village to put together a weekend Uh, that's so magnificent. And there's 500 or 600 invited guests out of baseball that come. There's all the Hall of Famers and their families. There's other dignitaries. And for three days, the the spotlight shines on this tiny little town, and the village really bands together to make sure that the 40,000-plus that come for the weekend have a great time.
1: What is the the largest crowd that has come?
0: Largest crowd that came was uh, 2007 when Cal Ripken and Tony Gwynn uh, were elected at the same time. And these are two guys who were both fan favorites in the cities in which they played opposite leagues, opposite coasts. So you had everything sort of be a perfect storm. 82,000 came to our town of 1,800.
1: Now, how long have you been a president? You know, people will look at this and they'll say, boy, he looks young. He's got a baby baby face. How long long have you been a president?
0: I've been there. I've been with the Hall of Fame 23 overall and 9 as president. 23 years. Yes. You were still playing when I was there.
1: Right. Now, now how long were you with the Yankee organization?
0: Uh, Boston for three and the Yankees for five, so 31 overall in baseball. Wow. Yeah. No. You, I, you, you enjoy it, I take it? I love it. You know, opening day was always a tradition for me growing up in Boston. I didn't grow up in New York, but, I, you know, my parents were sticklers for school and everything, but there was no debate in my house that I was going to opening day every year, take the subway into Boston, uh, and uh, that got my love going for the game. and. I'm lucky that my parents were big baseball fans and I can't think of anything or any industry better to work in than baseball.
2: I bet those two could talk for a week with the stories from their career. Maybe we'll give them another opportunity to sit down here in the uh, the coming weeks or months or maybe even next season. But I think there's probably a lot more that we would all find interesting if they had the time to share it. Thanks for listening today. We'd love your feedback on the show. You can rate and review the podcast both at iTunes or Podbean. Either one, you're going to want to search St. Louis Cardinals Podcast." You can also subscribe there or subscribe at cardinals.com slash podcast as well. Thanks to all of our guests today for the Wizard of Oz, Jeff Idelson and John Berbia. I'm Brett McMillan. We'll talk to you next Tuesday on the Cardinals Insider Podcast.